Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 98. Whoa. Closing in on 100. This episode was recorded in Virginia. I was going around looking to see if I could find a famous Virginian who was looking for Pusha T. I think King Push lives in LA now, so I did not find him. But I did find... My sister. So my sister is a contemporary romance novel author. Uh, I think it's also called erotic romance. She was not initially a writer. She earned her doctorate and worked in healthcare. She was a physical therapist. And then sort of like, you know, record skip, flip the script and became a successful author. Now, maybe some people would be uncomfortable discussing these topics uh, with a family member, especially uh, sort of in front of the world for anybody to listen to. But I thought that this was a really cool and interesting conversation. And I don't know, I'm not so squeamish. We're all adults here, huh? So her, uh, her pen name is Lily Atlas. That is not how I know her, but that is how the world of romance novel readers knows her. And she has, I think, 12 or 13 books. um, And there's a few different series. So she has Hell's Handlers, MC, Motorcycle Club. Uh, She's got one in like sort of a one-off, Trident Inc. And then she has No Prisoners, Motorcycle Club Romance. I'll read her little bio here from her website. It says, Lily Atlas is an award-winning contemporary romance author. She's a proud Navy wife and mother of three spunky girls. Every time Lily downloads a new ebook, she expects her Kindle app to tell her it's exhausted and overworked and to please give it some rest. Oh, Lord. Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet, so she can often be absorbed. She can be found absorbed in a good book. Uh... My sister's super inspiring to me because she knocks out multiple books a year, self-publishes them, does all the marketing, all the work behind it, um, interacts with her graphic artists, with the ebook readers, does all the, the business and the tax and all that stuff while raising three kids. Um, and she's, like I said, she's been quite successful um, you know, in these early years of writing. So that's super inspiring to me. We keep like hammering home the same message over and over again on the podcast, but uh, there are many, many outlets nowadays for people who don't want to be working the job that they're working and want to be doing something that they truly enjoy. And it's inspiring to me to see my sister do that. You know, she doesn't come from a writing background. She didn't go to college to learn, you know, English or writing or, or anything like that. Uh, she was just a fan of the genre, tried it out, and it's worked out for her. So like I always talk about on here, take the plunge. That's the first step. And she actually says that as well. The first step is sort of just getting the words down, just starting the writing, because uh, nothing's going to happen, obviously, if you don't do that. There will be a social media giveaway of sorts for fans of Lily. She has a new book coming out. At this point now, it's two weeks away. Uh, That book is Copper. So check my Instagram and Facebook and all that and check Lily's Instagram and Facebook and all that. You can find the links in the show notes and you'll see an Amazon giveaway to get that new ebook and maybe to get a couple others. It'll be quite simple. You just have to like subscribe to this podcast and, you know, show me a a screenshot. But check out the social media and it'll have um, all that sort of information. Also, if you want to support the TV TV podcast, you can do so on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. That's a subscription-based service where you can pay 50 cents, $1, $5, $500, and all that money goes into keeping the travel going, keeping the editing of the podcast going, keeping the stories and the education and all this fun stuff coming to you if you enjoy consuming it. Uh, you can also support non-monetarily by subscribing, 
by talking about it, by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes or the podcast application that you use most often. All right, folks, enjoy this conversation with Lily Atlas. So for people who don't know who you are, you write romance novels. Yes, contemporary romance. Contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. What like <laughs> are there antiquated romances like why is historical it historical romance? So that would be more, you know, there's a lot of um you know during the 1800s and there's a lot of wild west Wait, so it's just set that way or you're saying like they're like it, the genre dates back that far? No, it's set in that time. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah you know, hoop skirt wearing uh, back in the day. Yeah. Okay, so I like I can recall when we were younger and you would like you would knock out books really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I remember of you reading was like mysteries and things like that and like sort of like whodunits and things like that. Uh, so at what point in your life did you become interested in contemporary <laughs> romance novels? Oh, that is a 100% uh, from Agnes, <laughs> grandma. From like... She gave me my first romance novel. What? Yeah, she just, I, she used to read them, I guess, and she just had a stack, you know, stack of books at her house. And I just was at her house one day with nothing to do. When she lived down south or when she was in New York? No, when she lived in New York. What? Dude? Yeah. Oh, this was her So back you were young. Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a teenager when I read the first one, and Whoa. I was like, m- like my eyes fell out of my head, and I was like, "Grandma, what are you reading?" You know, because she was so old. You know, because she was older yeah. than a lot of other grandparents because she had her kids. Like, so I, you know, my, uh, I was shocked and intrigued, and but still to this day, my to read personally, my favorite genre subgenre of romance is romantic suspense. I still enjoy mm. a mystery suspenseful element. So did she say something or was she just like, oh, hey, this is a good book? Or did she say like... I can't even remember. I might have just found it at her house and read it or okay. she just had a box of books she was giving away because I remember there were a few that came from her. Did you think at that time like, hey, this is something that like maybe I need to keep quiet about that I'm reading? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't... It's funny. Once I started writing, I realized that there's such a big community, but I always was like not... I was always kind of... Yeah. I didn't tell people about it because I felt silly, which is ridiculous. It's um, from what I've researched, it's like the highest selling genre of books. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I had that here in my notes. Yeah, people who read in them the just US, yeah. gobble them up. And even like abroad, I guess, like I know, I mean, it, it gets like really weird out in like Japan and places. But like, yeah, yeah. like even in like uh, Taiwan and China and Japan, like there's a there's a huge industry for it. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I, I, I have my most sales in the United States, or especially through Amazon, but there are some other ebook um, retailers that are more international. But yeah, they, they're all over. So I'm going to sort of fill the gaps in a little bit between like that point and today. Yeah. But like, okay, so, you know, um, I like martial arts, right? But I'm not a martial artist. Uh, maybe that's a silly example, but you are a consumer and a reader, like at what point are you thinking to yourself, hey, this is something I could try my hand at? That's a that's a good question because um, that is one of the criticisms actually of um, the indie author world is that any, you know, Joe Schmo can write a book even if they're the crappiest writer in the world. So um, I just, I've always read, you know, there's times when I'm not busy, I'll read a book a day, Sometimes more. <laughs> Nowadays, I can't do that, but back in the day. Um, and just over time, people who knew that I liked to read so much would just throw out, you should write a book. Oh, you should write a book. And, you know, I would roll my eyes because at that time you had to find a publisher and it, it's a whole big process. Um, and then as time went on, I just kind of thought to myself, maybe I should try it. And a good few years ago, maybe six, seven years ago, I sat down and I tried it and it was just ridiculous, epic failure. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have a good plot. I I maybe wrote three pages and I was like, forget this. This is never going to happen. And then um, when I was home from work with uh, 
Sammy, second kid. I just, it was kind of a similar thing. I just, I've always been a daydreamer and I just had these ideas in my head and I just sat down and started writing. Because one of the things that I try to do on here, because I get a lot of questions. I don't know if people think that like I'm making money off of this or something, but (laughs) like, um, you know, people, uh, I've constantly talked about this, but I think especially today, there's a lot of people who are like not following in our like parents' generation path. Yeah. And just taking like the job with the retirement and yes. and all that. And well, sort I think of, it's a very millennial, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But but like you're someone who's a, a career changer. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like you're not just writing these. You you know you've received an award. Like they sell well. I know you were on Amazon's. Um, what is that sort of classification? Like top top new authors or sellers or something like that. Yeah, I've I've been in their top 100s list a couple of times. So what makes you a good writer then? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think, I think some of it was luck. Um, I've, I, I've read so many that I know what people are looking for, I think, okay. you know, at least somewhat. I hope so. And um, I just have such a love for it myself and a very active imagination that I've, I came up with stories that I thought would be marketable. My first... Uh, a book, the editor, I mean, just tore it to shreds as far as the writing because I had no idea what I was doing. I have no mm. formal training as a writer or anything like that. And I think it was a little bit of luck that the first book sold. And then, um, you know, from there, you just done tons of research on the process and marketing and, you know, put a lot of work and effort into it. And it's just kind of continued from there. Um, I won't say it, but mm-hmm. if you don't want me to, do you ever talk about, or, or do you think your listeners know like what your career was before this? Oh yeah, I've I've been open about it. yeah. Huh? Okay, so you know, um, you had a doctorate, like <laughs> totally unrelated to anything remotely writing. Right, but it's funny because, and I, you know, I've talked about this, but uh, like I was an assistant principal, essentially in my situation which I don't talk about, a principal, um, you know, you have a, you have a, you have a doctorate, you're a physical therapist. These are things that I think sound to people as quite prestigious. Yeah. And then you entered a world that I think makes people blush a little bit yeah. or not want to talk about so openly. Yeah. Do Did you and do you try to keep that quiet in, in the sense that like when you meet new people or like new neighbors or something or like you're, you're the parents of your children's friends and they say like, what do you do? Do you say, oh, you know, I write contemporary romance. Sure. It, and it depends, I think a little bit on my, on my audience. Mm. Um, I do use a pen name and that's partly because we have little kids and it's just a little bit of separation between professional life and personal life, especially because so much of marketing is putting yourself out there on social media. And at some point my kids are going to be teenagers and, you know, they're going to know about some of these things that are in the books and people are going to get Either I'm sure their friends are going to be interested and it'll be the, the talk of them. But um, so I do have a pen name to try and keep a little bit of anonymity. And then it just sort of depends on my audience. If it's, if it's someone who I think would be uncomfortable mm. with that type of um, book, then I do tend to just say I write women's fiction. Or if it's someone I don't know, I, I, I'll, I'll say the same thing. I write women's fiction or novels for women or something like that. At first, I was a lot more um, cautious about it because I just wasn't sure how well it was going to be received. But as time has gone on, I have i don't care as much, especially, you know, I'm proud of what I do. I enjoy it and yeah. um, my readers seem to enjoy it. So there's no... It's funny. I don't know if it's an American thing, but like, I don't know, people get kind of squeamish. Yes. Like e- even with the podcast, some of the stories and experiences that I've had I still like am afraid to touch on, even yeah. though like I no longer have a staff that depends on me or like a school or people that might be affected by like the things that I say. But I don't know. We still guard some of that stuff. I don't I don't know what that says about us psychologically, but Yeah, and I've you know, I, I I've heard I don't have too too much experience with lots of other cultures, but I have heard that it is more of an American thing, is you know. But uh at the same time sex sells and, you know, mm. the, the cover of a book with a um, bare chested man catches a lot of readers' eyes, you know, yeah. more than other ones. You know, a lot of people are looking for that. And So, yeah, I want to get into sort of the um, the genre a bit. Mm-hmm. Are, are most 
novels part of sort of like a serial like yours is where uh, they're connected to each other? Not always. There's, there's series and then standalone. Okay. And then even within a series, there's um, a series of standalones. So that's what mine is. It's a series of standalones. So you could read each book separately. Okay. You're, you get a little bit more out of it if you read them in order because you'll meet characters along the way. But each book is a separate entity. It has a start and a finish, as opposed to some series where it has a cliffhanger at the end of one book and then you have to read the next mm. book to find out the end. It just, um, there's a mix. I think it's pretty common nowadays to see a lot of series. You do see some standalones still for sure, but um, it kind of helps you to create a world. And a lot of times your readers become interested in your ancillary characters from the first book and they want to know what happened to so-and-so's sister and then the sister becomes the main character of the next book and so on and so forth. So then when you're writing one, how far ahead are you thinking then if they are, you know, if they are connected? Are you thinking in this novel, I need to make sure that this happens because two from now, that guy's going to have his spin off. Yeah. And I think it just, it depends a little bit on your writing style. Some people, um, they call them pantsters versus plotters. Plotters really sit down and plot it all out. Pantsters fly by the seat of their pants. And most people fall somewhere in the middle. Um, In the beginning, I was a total pantster. I just sat down and wrote whatever was in my mind. And as I've gone on with it, I am plotting out more. So if I know that I'm going to start a new series, I do try to have a loose idea of what's going to happen down the road. But it does, sometimes it changes or I'll think of an idea that, you know, three books in that was, that's totally unique. I mean, you said earlier that you, you kind of knock out books pretty quickly. And I say this respectfully, but like, I believe the genre, like, you know, it's not, it's not like old English writing. It's not dense to the point where like, you have to sit and think about everything. Like it's a, entertainment yeah. mm-hmm. sort of read. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of difficult and demanding for you then? Because if someone can read a novel quite quickly, are you like, oh God, I got to keep just pumping these out almost like a like a, like a a soap or like an actual cereal? For sure, yes, absolutely. Because um, the one of the expressions they say is um, front matter sells back matter. So when you put out a new book, you know, new people will hear of you mm. and they'll find your old books and read through. So you, number one, you want to keep the momentum going. You don't want to become stagnant. There are so many people putting out so many books right now that you need to keep the flow. And then um, the other thing is that uh, readers um, expect nowadays a little bit more. They expect you to put them out fast. And there are some authors that can put out, put out a book a month and I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. But they do sort of expect, you know, when they hear that the next book won't be out for three months, it's kind of, oh my goodness, that's such a long, it's such a long wait. As opposed, you know, back when I used to read or even still nowadays, if you take somebody like, you know, Lee Child or something, he puts out one book a year. Um, but I think probably the big difference is he spends a lot more time researching, yeah. and, you know. Um, well, his also research. like, his has become movies, right? So he's... I think so, Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's that? Jack Reacher, yeah, right? Yeah. That's it. Okay. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, so then, like, I know in three weeks or so you have a new novel coming out, mm-hmm. and it's a character that's been introduced before. Yes. And so people sort of have, they're either anticipating, they're sort of, um, you know, expecting certain things to happen. How much do you want to cater to what people want to happen versus like the story that's in your mind? Yeah, that's a good question because um, there are some times where I will think of something. There's been a few times where I would think of something and my editor has told me, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't Mm. think readers will like that. And then I'm ultimately, it's just my choice. You just have to decide how risky you want to be. Um, with the book and it can, it can go one of two ways. You know, there's, if you decide to go a risky way that some people might hate it, but other people might like it. There are so many books out there and these readers read so many of them that sometimes something totally off the cuff or shocking or out of the norm is a great thing because people are looking for something new. You do have to find a balance. You don't want to go too far off the rails because then, then readers are not interested, but you don't want the same old cookie cutter story Mm. every single time. So it just it just depends how risky you want to be. You know, I know I've uh, every now and again you'll read an author who'll do something like kill off a main character at the end of the book or something, and it sparks a lot of discussion, and that's a good thing. So you'll have people who hate it and give you one star reviews, but then on the flip side, 
there's other people who think it's a fantastic idea, you know. And when you say that, are there like forums where people are discussing the books? Oh, uh, yeah, oh, Facebook especially. Oh, the there's Facebook all groups. sorts of Facebook groups. Most authors have their own groups, but then there's um, there's millions of just reader groups on Facebook uh, all over the place. <laughs> um, you mentioned genres, so yours. The the genre is like MC or motorcycle. Club? Yeah, it's it's really a subgenre of romance. And there's a million. There's military historical romance, romantic okay. suspense, westerns, medical. You know, there's there's tons. Just so you can get more specific with. There's even like there's like non-human too, right? There's oh like yeah, there's werewolves fantasy, and stuff like that. Paranormal. Yeah, a lot of they call them shifter romance. It's a lot of you know uh, men turning into panthers. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember listening to like the Joe Rogan podcast and he was, I mean, he was looking at it laughingly, but there's like a Bigfoot series or something. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. And it's, it, there's, there are a lot of people love it. I've read one or two of them and it's, it's not necessarily my favorite, but uh, there's, they have a lot of interest. So is fan fiction a different thing? Like when people are writing, like there's like, like, um, I don't know, even like superheroes or like Harry Potter and stuff like that. Yeah. I think they tend to be um, shorter stories Okay. to begin and begin with. And then. And a lot of those are just online know, on blogs. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but I think, um, and I might be a little bit wrong about this, but I believe Fifty Shades of Grey, which you know she's an indie author who made millions and millions of dollars. I think she started out as Twilight fan fiction. I was gonna. So that's what I've heard. I was gonna ask about that. Actually, I have that in my notes. Like, so, I mean, that was such a massive success. But is is that contemporary romance or is that's erotic romance. I mean, uh, it all kind of, there's some cross. So sure, she, it could be considered contemporary romance, but it, since it's a lot more graphic, it would be considered erotic romance. Did you read that? Actually haven't. Okay. I think it's just because um, there was so much hype about it that I yeah. just felt like I, I couldn't read it. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, I guess you can't answer it then, but I was going to ask like why that one became so popular as opposed to others? I don't know. It's a uh, really good question. I don't think, I don't know if anybody really knows because there are a million books with the just same like it. And I know a lot of people um, who enjoy the genre that think it's, you know, not the best one really? out there. Yeah. <laughs> not to criticize because she's sure doing a lot better than I am. But, yeah. um, you know, I've heard it's not the best writing wise and things like that. So, So for you... Why motorcycle groups or motorcycle clubs? I just, I find it interesting and it's just where my imagination has led me. And So to be able to write about it uh, sort of accurately mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the, the genre, the motorcycle stuff, do you have to uh, do research and, and watch stuff and consult sure. people? You know, thankfully with the help of Google, it's so easy yeah. um, nowadays and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, just for basic information on motorcycles and stuff, you know, I've asked dad a lot of questions about different types of bikes and parts and how things work and, uh-huh. and things like that. Cause you know, they're in a- Did you watch like Sons of Anarchy? And- oh, sure. Yeah. And that's probably what sparked the interest in it. But then I've read a lot of them as well, you know, a lot of motorcycle club books. Um, and then that's just sort of sparked my imagination. And I like it because it has a. A lot of you, you can combine it. There can be some action, suspense, you know, intrigue involved along with the romance. It's good. Is there a certain um, a certain formula to the way that the books should go that lends to more success? Uh, there's certain. I'm you know I'm like I said I'm not trained and I haven't really right. even taken many classes. Most of what I've learned has been from my editors. There's a you hear a lot. You know, at eighty five percent in the book, there should be you know the that biggest action climax, you know, but you don't have to stick to all that. Um, a lot of it's just you learn what readers are looking for. They like a happy ending, uh, especially in this type of genre, because it's it's escapism. You're looking mm-hmm. for the romance aspect of it. You want, you know, you want your hero and heroine to have a happy ending. Um, but as far as if there's like a strict novel formula, maybe I'm not even 100% sure. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to sort of make us play psychologist here for a little bit. Um, I've never read one of these, but Uh since you are also a consumer and you create this content, we'll use your brain. Sure. My, um, and I've got some direct quotes here from it, but 
my sort of understanding of this stuff, I, I read a book called The Billion Wicked Thoughts. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like the full spectrum of sexuality to where they, for large portions of it, they they have, and it's all backed up by data, like they have like porn searches and things like yeah. that. Um, but they also did word searches from romance novels uh, to try to use that data to create some conclusions. And so um, I'm going to maybe use your brain here sure. to try to answer some of those. It, I guess I'll say it like this first. I think, again, for people who haven't read the genre, and I think maybe for men who are like uncomfortable with their wives or their girlfriends mm-hmm. or people like reading material that is in some way you know, sexually expressive and it's not about them, uh, we'll label it as like, Porn for women. Sure. Like, is that a fair description? When, because to me, like, there is pornographic material for women that's actual pornography. Yeah, and it runs the spectrum. I mean, there's some, you know, there's Christian romances which have nothing more than a Whoa. kiss, and yeah, and then there's sweet romance which is very um, benign as far as the sexuality, up to you know erotica with BDSM and all sorts of fetishes, and so it runs the spectrum. Um, I'm no psychologist, but if I had to make a guess. I mean, yeah, sure. In some ways, you know, erotica for women, it's, it's kind of, I guess, like porn for women. I mean, who, you know, everybody enjoys some porn. (laughs) And I think, and this is my broad generalization, but, you know, I think for men, you know, it's a a lot more visual, you know, they enjoy looking at, and sure there's women who enjoy watching porn too. I mean, that's, but as a broad generalization, I would say men tend to be more visual. And I think that one of the things that appeals to women so much about romance novels is that it's, it's not just the sex scenes. There's a story and there's a lot of emotion in the story. You actually see a lot of negative reviews on books that are just boom, 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 sex scene after sex scene with no meat to the story. Readers enjoy um, the couple meeting, the couple falling in love, the couple sticking together through hard times. They really enjoy getting inside the couple's heads and feeling what they feel when they fall in love. And that, like, So that's sort of spot on to where um, they compiled... Here from 1983 to 2008, uh, the most, the ten most frequent physical descriptions of men, uh-huh. um, and like the top ones are like shoulders, uh, cheekbones, jaw, forehead, um, like large hands, lean, handsome, and within those top ten to twenty, like not a single one of them is like penis, right? So yeah. it's, um, I guess not as explicit maybe as some people might think. Yeah, and some of them, and like I said, it depends. You know, you'll you'll have some, um, well, there are some that are pretty explicit. Oh, okay. <laughs> but maybe- but like I said, it usually, it's not just straight up. You know, like if you watch a porn, you know, it's a, a guy and a girl walk into a room and they just start going at it. Uh. You know, that's not what this is like, and there's books out there, sure. There's a lot of, you know, erotic short stories and and there's something for everybody. They just, you know, whatever. But a lot of, you know, because they're novel length, there's a whole, they meet, they have some kind of adversity. They have a, I guess this kind of goes to what you were asking about before with uh, a formula for a novel, but they usually have an internal conflict for why they can't be together. And then maybe some kind of external conflict in the world that's trying to keep them apart from each other. And so there's a lot of, um, a lot of emotion and overcoming obstacles as opposed to just you meet, you bang and live happily ever after. And is it fair to say that if there's something held in common about the male figure, it's that they're generally an alpha in a sense, but with the sort of female protagonist, there's sort of, while they're sort of hard and rough with everyone else, they're like, sensitive and emotional with her? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Very often. And not always because there's some women who prefer, uh, you know, there's some readers who prefer um, different types, but I, I would say probably as a generalization, um, they either start out as a, as a giant jerk and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, they call it, um, oh, what's the expression? I'm trying to think of it. Um, hate to love or something like that. So a lot of times they the main characters will hate each other in the beginning and he'll be uh, a big jerk. And then people just love to see, you know, the hardened jerk of a man get his sensitive uh, 
side for the woman, you know, heart, and exterior, she, heart of a she's bear. sort of the one that's able to make that change occur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I guess maybe speaks to um like the woman's sort of like power and desirability, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taming the bad boy, you know, that's always been a a kind of an interesting uh for women an interesting topic, but you know, I think it's you being the only one who could yeah. do this, you know. How ah oh, wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because like mm, it, 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 sort of like in a biological sense, obviously I mean maybe sort of like the the knock on men is that they're like especially young men, like promiscuous and like want yeah. their numbers to be mm-hmm. upright with like a, Yeah. But women want to be that that one person who's desired by the men. Yeah. And there's a lot of books like that. You you see a lot of the books, um, a lot of heroes are womanizers, womanizers in the beginning, and uh, then it's like they give it, they give up all that lifestyle for this one woman, you know. And then when you read a lot of these books, they're written either first or third person, and they often flip chapters. So one chapter will be in her perspective, and one chapter will be in his perspective. Uh, so you get inside both of their heads. So you get to see him um, as he, you know, falls from his his lifestyle of womanizing and stuff. And there's a lot of, there is some criticism to that. Um, you know, some people, um, are looking for more for books where, um, men aren't like that in the beginning, but there's probably more like that than not. So uh, you, you said it's escapism, which I think is, um, again, I'm not an expert on this, but I think Mm -hmm. maybe a fair description. So like, I'll, I'll like Marvel movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's clearly escapism. Sure. But I also think that when we watch movies like that, we are looking at an archetype of like the hero archetype of, of what we sort of want to be. I even Uh think like, this is going to sound cheesy, but I think most people feel this when they come out of a movie, like, Oh, I want to be like that character for until they see the next movie, whatever that movie Mm -hmm. is. Um, like the heroic side of them, the bravery or the whatever, um, how much crossover into the real world do you think that like, again, there are women that are like reading it and think like, well, I either want a man who's like that in the real world, or I want to be desirable. Like this character is desirable. Do you, do you, is there a separation between the fantasy and reality or do they sort of blend? I think there's definitely, um, some blend. And I think that's even happening more and more, uh, as, there are more authors out there because, you know, like I said, anyone can publish a book now, so you have to set yourself aside. So it's a lot less, um, you know, like this frail little fainting virgin woman. You now have, you know, books about women from of every job, every ethnicity, mm. every walk of life. And I think that readers are enjoying that um, because they can see themselves more. You know, you, you have strong alpha women, you have um, women who are... You read about anything, single mothers, you have, you know, and I think a lot of people find um, a genre or a type of character that they relate to a little bit and tend to read those a little bit more. Uh, I mean, uh, again, so from A Billion Wicked Thoughts, like, I know you sort of just ex- explained that there's like a broad spectrum of possible topics mm-hmm. um, and sort of characters. Uh, but so I guess they're looking at, you know, things that happen more often than not. And they say like sort of the more of the men in these novels are like, uh, like noble professions and like kings and wealthy people and doctors and things like that. I mean, I guess you're not, I mean, that makes sense. You're not going to read about like the homeless guy on the street. Yeah. (laughs) But a lot of people, um, enjoy, um, books about, and there's there's definitely that you know there's Highlanders and kings and and but there's a lot of just your blue collar mechanics and I think people like the relatableness of that. People also like um, um, people. A lot of readers tend to be drawn to like you said like that rough alpha guy. So who do we think in that in that case like a biker um, or uh, there's a lot. You read a lot of books about guys who are. Mechanics, but then, then there's a lot of um, military, a lot of military and oh. security. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Uh, private security company owners and all, you know, there's like Blackwater. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yes, but it's it's romanticized. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? You always read. There's all these books about like mercenaries, but it's like mercenaries who only work work for the good, and you know, it's, oh yeah, yeah, you know, and that's why it's escapism. Even if you're um, reading a book about, um, 
you know, uh, a single mother, you might relate to that because it's like, on, it's on a fantasy level. So, you know, she, she might have some of the same problems that you have, but it all works out so nicely in the end, as opposed to, you know, you're in your real life struggling to pay the bills, struggling to keep your house clean, struggling to keep, take care of your kids. And then you can read this and it's like, oh, she's experiencing some of the same struggles that I am. But, you know, in just a few hours, everything worked out so nice. And yeah. it's just a nice escape from your reality, even if you do feel a connection to the uh, characters. I'm curious about, because I'm also not married. The more I talk about myself, the more I'm like, what a loser. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, so you don't have to like... Um, to talk about your marriage per se, but sure. I'm sure you're way more in tune with your readers and their lives than, than I would be. Uh-huh. Um, I think I mentioned a little earlier about um, maybe men being uncomfortable with their wives or their partners or whoever reading this kind of stuff because maybe they're reading about someone who's not them, right? And for whatever reason... Um, People think again. People think they they have to be the one that like their spouse desires, which is like, come on, man. Um, <laughs> h- how much of this sort of mm, I don't want to call it a hobby, but people reading the, the interest, right? Sure. The, their interest in romance novels. How how much of that do you think that women share with their their husbands and partners? And uh, that's a really good question. I'm not sure the people that. Um, that I communicate with most are through social media and they're pretty, you know, if they're willing to post on social media, they're usually Mm. pretty willing to be open, um, about it. And, and, you know, a lot of these people have no qualms about, uh, commenting on, um, the book covers and, you know, being very open with their attraction to the books and why they read these books and stuff. And so again, with social media, you don't, it's hard to know if people are, what's going on behind closed doors. But um, most of the people that I come in contact with seem very open, uh, you know, about the fact that they like to read their girl porn. And (laughs) so uh, in my experience, that's not, that's not too much of an issue, but I'm sure there's, I mean, I'm sure just like there's guys who, you know, hide away the fact that they're looking at porn from their wives. It's probably exactly the same. Well, it's interesting. I think that there is, I mean, there's been an awakening with a lot of stuff with the onset of the internet, but I do think there's a bit of like a sexual awakening as well. Yeah. Because people can now, I mean, people can connect with other, other like-minded people, mm-hmm. but there's also the fact that like, I don't know, like humans are sexual beings and to to be ashamed about it and to hide something from your partner or to be like, my husband reads that or my, my wife reads that, yeah. so I must be like you know, insignificant or not as important. It's just a little bit silly. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, it's, they could be going out and get it in somewhere else instead of, <laughs> instead of just reading in a book yeah, or something. That's a good know? point too. Yeah. Um, okay. So like I'm a family member. <laughs> um, <laughs> these are things that again, people are for whatever reason, kind of squeamish about this. I think especially for like maybe parents thinking about their child or child yeah. children thinking about their parents, right? Like you'll, your kids will be older one day. Um, how do you feel about like family and, and close friends and things like that reading the stuff that's coming from your mind? Sure. You know, at first I was a little bit squeamish. So um, before I published, I didn't tell anyone mm-hmm. what I was doing except for my husband, but I didn't tell anybody else in the family, partly because I had no idea if I was going to fall flat on my face. But um, we do have a lot of um, people in the family who are um, religiously conservative, and this is not to make any kind of broad mm-hmm. you know, statement about people who we are We can stay non-political. <laughs> yeah, non-political <laughs> about people who are religious, <clears throat> but uh, we have people in the family who are conservative as far as... Um, sexuality and porn and, you know, and things like that. So um, I was a little bit nervous about how it would be received for sure. So, um, you know, we didn't really tell um, anybody about it. And, um, but I have a whole bunch of sisters-in-laws and they've all read them and continue to read them. And I love it. I I think it's fantastic. Now I will tell you that I told dad not to read any of them. (laughs) Before yeah. it came out, and he tried anyway, and he. <laughs> I think he tried to read the first one. Yeah, 
he said he had to stop because he kept picturing me as like a kid sitting at the breakfast table and he just couldn't read it. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> He's like, you're still five. How are you writing this? So, you know, I understand it's not everybody's thing. So I'm not offended if somebody in the family doesn't want to read them um, because I get it. It's not for everybody. But uh, if, if I'm more than happy to have people read them, you know, I... I I love what I do. You know, I yeah. think it's, it's, I love every aspect of it. And so if people want to read it, I welcome it. You, I know that in the not too distant future, you have some uh, like author signings yeah. and events. Have you done one of those before? I haven't. I have my first uh, one coming up in April. Yeah. Cause I was going to say sort of like, um, where the real person and the author meet. Yeah. Like, do, are you thinking about that? Like, uh, how should I act? I know, like, like I, a which, little bit. Which person am I? I know, a little bit. It, it's more the, um, more than that, it's just, it's very strange to me that somebody would be interested in in getting my autograph. Like, mm. it just, it doesn't really, uh, it hasn't really registered yet. It's a strange feeling that anybody would care. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, uh, to see what happens. Because you always kind of, I mean, when I was just a reader, you you kind of imagine that the author has this, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. at least I did, maybe other people don't, but, I, you know, has, has this exciting life where they get to sit around and come up with these stories, you know, as opposed to reality where I've got three kids that are, you know, picking their nose and snotting all over the place. <laughs> and so it's really just kind of normal. And uh, so the fact that one day I'll be... <clears throat> you know, picking the kids up from school and then the next day you'll be signing books. is It's very interesting. It's, it's sort of interesting to think we, I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier, maybe like um, in what ways you may have like affected or influenced people's lives. Because what if there is someone who sort of was like feeling even in their marriage or something like undesired or stagnant or something and like read your book and, and opened up to their partner and yeah. it changed their life. Yeah. That'd be amazing. I've gotten, um, some emails and some messages from readers, <clears throat> a few that have said things like they're going through chemotherapy or they're having a really hard time in their life. And just being able to read the book and escape for a few hours has meant so much to them. And I just, I think that's so amazing because, you know, you, you write and you know people are going to enjoy it for its entertainment value, but it is it is kind of nice to think that you may have touched somebody on a little bit of a, a deeper level, you know, contributed to somebody's happiness a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have far fewer consumers than you have, but sometimes, you know, I'll get the rare email or the, the message from someone who's talking about like, oh, I loved that and made yeah. me think this and I, yeah. Um, to that sort of tune also... Something I ask, that you can hear the dog snoring, <laughs> something that I ask a lot of people who, again, are doing something that's sort of non-traditional and doing it successfully, mm-hmm. uh, be it podcasting or writing or blogging or whatever, all of those genres, including yours, um, or all of those mediums sort of are pretty saturated. Like you yes. jumped into something that there's already tons of content. And I know I asked you like what makes you successful and it's maybe harder to put your finger on that, but just in terms of like the process and sticking with it and dealing with failure, like how, how do you deal with that? So the hardest thing, I'm, I'm not very good, um, at receiving criticism. Mm. It's just, I just, you know, personality character flaw that I'm not very good at receiving criticism. So the hardest thing when I started this, you know, somebody out there is not going to like your work. You're going to get one star reviews. You're going to get two star reviews. It's just going to happen. There's going to be someone who doesn't like it. You know, one review is going to talk about how hot and sexy the book is. The next review is going to have one star and be like, the sex scenes were terrible or, you know, there's too much. Or So you're not going to appeal to everyone. And so that was very difficult in the beginning to read a review that somebody just doesn't like it. And even still now, even though I know there's just going to be people that don't like it, when you see it or you read it, it kind of, you know, it stings a little bit because you, know, you put your heart and soul and hours and hours and hours of time into every single book. And so when somebody hates it, it's just a little bit like, oh, yeah. But you just, your, your skin gets a little bit thicker as 
time goes on, you know, and as you experience it. And as a reader, there's been books that I haven't liked that other people have absolutely loved. And there's been books that I liked that other people didn't like. So you sold you, tens of thousands. So it's not like every single person can be. Right. Yes. Not, happy. you know, not everything's going to be everybody's, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times the people who are, are um, you know, the squeakier wheels like to be very vocal on social media interviews and stuff like that. So you're always going to have somebody that doesn't like it. But um it was a little bit hard at first, but with time, I, you know, I can shrug it off. And now, now that I have more books, I don't even look at, you know, at first, the first book, I checked every single review and I read them all and I agonized over every single one. Mm. And now it's just, there's, there's too much going on that I can't keep up with at all. Do you have any advice for uh, maybe how to self publish or if you think even that's like a better route than looking for a book publishing company or? Yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't even try looking for a publisher. I've heard tons of stories from other romance authors that a lot of publishers turn away romance novels and they, you hear a story about people who um, sent book after book into publishers and then finally they one day decided to self-publish and they did great. Meanwhile, the publishers kept turning them down. So I didn't even try to go that route. I just did it all as an indie author. Um, but I think, you know, when we, we had talked about some of the things or what I thought might have made it a little bit more successful and I think that there are some things you can do. I think if you, first thing, you just write and even if it's garbage, just put it on paper. That's probably my biggest advice because you hear people's, say they they think about what they want to write and they plot and then they come back and they write a little bit. I would just say write it out because it's always easier to go back and fix it than it is to try and come up with something. So just write it out. And then I think it's really important to get a good editor. And a lot of um, indie authors don't don't get an editor. They think they can do it with you know Grammarly or their grammar software. And... Um, it makes a very big difference. That's where I've learned most of what I have as far as writing. Like the editor just tore apart the first one and I've really tried to take everything to heart um, that they've taught me and put it into my next book so that I can improve with it. But I, there's a few things you need to do. You need to have an editor. A, co- a good cover also makes a very big difference. Editor, cover, um, you write your manuscript and then from there, the actual publishing process is ridiculously easy. You just go onto Amazon and you just mm. follow the steps and boom, you're a published author. That's the thing that, so, you know, I've got, again, I I, I realized at some point during this the six months that I was in Asia that like I'm, I'm doing something here. I'm doing something mm-hmm. pretty big. Like mm-hmm. I've, I'm doing something that I think a lot of people would like to do. Yeah, most people will never have the opportunity. Right. Or they have it. And so the reason that I'm saying this is that um, I've helped, uh, I'm, I'm on my second person now helping to uh, start up a podcast. Oh. But a lot of people would talk to me about these things, like we'll just sort of spitball ideas back and forth. And sort of like what you said, like just just write, mm-hmm. like they'll list off, like I could do this and this and this, and I'd love to do this and this. And it's like, it's like 10 things. Yeah. It's like, all right, we'll just freaking do one of yeah. them because you have to just take that punch and get started on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I think fear, you know, I think fear yeah. of failure or fear of rejection. What or, people are going to think. Yes, or just fear of how you're going to handle it holds a lot of people back. And that's that's me. You know, the fact that I even did this in the first place kind of surprises me because I'm definitely someone who would be like, oh, I should do that. Well, and then you think of 20 reasons not to do it. And, yeah. I've sort of, the in this month being here in the States, I've definitely let people get in my head way mm-hmm. too much than I should have. Um, but in addition to sort of like you talking about criticism, was there anyone that told you like, oh, don't do this? Um, nobody told me not to do it. I think people were, uh, It's I think it's more that people were very surprised mm-hmm. that I did it because, you know, my degree is in physical therapy, right. which is completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I said, I didn't really talk to people about doing this. I've never really expressed a big desire to people to do this. So it's just sort of been my private uh, interest. And so I think more than criticizing, people were surprised and probably just thought it was like my my little hobby while I, yeah. you know, while I was home with my kids. I don't think anybody really thought anything would come of it. And to be perfectly honest, I went into it with the idea of it being a hobby. You know, we, um, before I, I say we, cause my husband had a lot of hand and <clears throat> helping and he still does, but we, uh, 
did a lot of research in the beginning and just kept reading over and over again. As an indie author, you're not going to make any money. As an indie author, right. you're not going to make money. And I think in the romance genre, you have a better chance as an indie author of making money than in the other genres just because people are gobbling these books up so fast. But um, we had a um, you know an idea in our mind um, that we just wanted to break even. So I have to say I was lucky. You know, my, um, I worked as a physical therapist, so I had... Um, you know, a stable job. And then my husband had a stable job. So we had, before I published, we had the money to hire somebody to make the cover, to hire an editor. And I think that that can be an issue for people, especially if you're young and you're single and you don't have the money to hire an editor or a cover designer. It kind of, it, it, I think it might've been what gave me a little bit of a leg up. I kind of went in there with the right tools. And um, in our minds, we said, we will consider this a successful hobby because at the time we just thought mm-hmm. it was going to be a hobby if we break even. So we just didn't want to lose any money um, on the venture. Yeah, <laughs> And then the first book started selling and all of a sudden we were just kind of surprised and like, oh, wow, maybe it's really time to start thinking about this as a business instead of a hobby. When you self-publish on Amazon, what sort of a percentage are we talking about? Do you, I mean, I know there's there's uh, the cost of having an audio reader, the cover yeah. art, all that stuff, but in terms of the actual, let's say the book sells for 99 cents, yeah. what sort of a percentage are you pocketing? So it depends. So um, there's two options on Amazon. If your book is priced between $2.99 and $9.99, which most quite a big spread. are, it's a big spread. If it's priced between that, you will get 70%. Okay. As the, um, the author and Amazon takes 30. If it's priced at um, under $2.99 or over $9.99, you get 35%. Okay. And Amazon takes that. I don't know why. I have no idea why they do that. And but, do you have any sort of indication on like what? A publishing company would take if you had oh gone. a lot yeah, right. much more than that yes the publishing companies you know give you pennies on the dollars yeah, I know it's 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 the same with like a record label yeah. taking like ninety percent yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know I mean the difference being you have the power of a publishing house behind you you know which can be useful as you, as an indie author every step of the way I either do it myself or I have to contract someone to do it. So it is, it's a lot of work, but on the flip side, you have complete control over everything. Yeah, I think you made a good point in there too. If, if people could take another piece of advice away where you said that you, you guys had the money. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I, I jumped into a life where I'm not really employed or, <laughs> but you know, I had saved forever and I had taken some advice from actually related. He wrote a book called Sex at Dawn, which I think would maybe appeal to you and yeah. your, your readers. Um, about human sexuality, but he, it's this guy, Chris Ryan has a podcast called Ten- Tangentially Speaking. And he was saying like, if you're going to make a major life change like this, make sure that you're not burdening anybody, that like, you're not going to have to come crawling back to your folks, you know, at 40 years old, begging them for a place. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I was very conscious about. Like, like aside from like what I'm doing right now, which is like you, for two days, you gave me a roof over my head and food. Like it's, it's not going to be anyone else's problem, but mine, if I fall flat on my face. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was, yeah. So when I started it, I was still working as a physical therapist. Uh, well, that's not entirely true. When I started writing, I was home with our second kid, but then I did go back, um, before we published, but just part time. And, um, my husband was so supportive of it. And I remember at the time being like worried. I'm like, you know, I, I don't work very many hours. We just had our second kid. I don't want to put all this money into it and then ha- have us lose it mm-hmm. um, because, you know, because uh, based on something that I thought was just going to be a hobby at the time. And, um, you know, thankfully he was very supportive and was like, look, if you get happiness out of this and nothing else, then let's con- we'll consider it a success. And, uh, you know, which is... Nice, wonderful, but uh, you know, then at some point you're like, well, you know, you have to have a little bit. Of, you can't just keep feeding money into it and have it go nowhere. So I was so that's what I was worried about. I was like, you know, I don't want to have it, uh, you know, just fail and do nothing. Especially because I really loved it and I uh-huh. wanted it to become something. But uh, you know, I'm gonna sort of anonymously blow some people up here, even though I had read and maybe the statistic is true that upwards of like nine percent of the romance genres consumers are actually men. Um, there are some, yeah. Most of the, and maybe they're just not as vocal about it, but I would say the majority of um, 
people that I communicate with are women. But with that, um, with what I'm doing and then like with using social media, men can be so weird. So like I had written these, uh, written these, I just did a couple of stupid um, like Instagram videos where I was just sort of venting. And like one of the big things that even like guys that I don't know, the, the first thing they asked me is like, like, oh, you were in, you were in Asia, man, like lots of hot chicks, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, I don't like, I don't know what you, what you really think that like, just because you travel somewhere that like women that don't look like you are just going to all start like <laughs> bowing down to you and like throwing throw themselves, themselves at, you. at you. Yeah. It's super weird. But the, the other weird thing is I'll do, um, you know, like a, a paid promotion on Instagram mm-hmm. and on Facebook, like I'll do a 24 hour ad when an episode uh-huh. comes out and I'll pick the, the location is the location that that person's from or whatever uh-huh. to hopefully get some more eyes on it. And you know, like, yeah, like again, like there's beautiful women everywhere. I've had some beautiful women on the podcast and if it's a picture of them, thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, but like the two in particular, I remember like, and they're people that I'm actually like quite friendly with now, uh-huh. but there's, there's two MMA fighters. I've actually had a bunch, but uh, the two in particular that I'm thinking of, I did a paid release and it's their picture of them like in fight gear and stuff. And like, I'll get mostly foreign men messaging me like, hey, sexy, hey, baby. And I'm like, I always have to be like, did you read the text? It's the voyages of Tim Vetter. That's not me. I know. Um, but I know that you've like Lily Atlas, the author has received. Yes, yeah, unfortunately. So if I do, if I do um, targeted <laughs> ads or uh, sponsored ads, I always only target women just because that's, yeah. if I'm going to, if I'm, you know, spending money on it, I might as well target the demographic that's going to read it the most. And um, when I first uh, opened Lily's Facebook account, I was very liberal. I just let everybody become my friend. And I slowly started to realize that probably 90%, there's probably 10% of the men who friend me are authors. And then the other 90% of the men are creepers. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, so now I have to be a little more selective because I certainly have gotten lots of uh, interested messages. I have a lot of options out there. Let's just say that. If I, if I was looking for something different in life. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. And then the weirdest thing is I get all these, um, all these people, especially strange men in our family, um, volunteering to be cover models for my books. Oh, who are they? I don't know. These weirdos. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know what I get that's awful lately is, again, because it's my name is my name. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have I'll do this just stupid Instagram, uh, the Insta stories, which is usually just like pictures of like authors and stuff I like, mm-hmm. like in whatever mood I'm feeling or whatever. And I'll look and it's like, oh, God, there's there's kids from like the schools I was working at that are like oh. watching, and I just block them right away. Yeah, it's oh man, I know, and that's something I always want. I'm like, oh my gosh, when our when my kids are like 15 years old, you know, and I'm oh goodness, and they're like, you, <laughs> they're gonna die. When they're like, read their mom's book or their because you know it's you know you know they're gonna read it. Of it's course, they're going to, and that's the thing too. Like I remember, um, like, I guess it's like kids. okay, I say her name, I don't care, like. Well, she would be quite old at this point. But in the, in the seventh grade, I had a teacher, uh, Betty Fetchy. And like she, I guess, was, you know, older at the time. How old are you in seventh grade? Like 13. Um, so that's almost 20 years ago. And there was like a rumor that she had done Playboy and like one kid oh, like. Oh, I think I remember yeah, that. There's this kid who, I won't use his name, but like he claimed that he had it and he was going to show everybody because there was like a porn star, or not a porn star, but like whatever, like a model or whatever named B. Fetchy. So yeah, I mean, I can't blame kids for being curious about sort of like the private lives of yeah. the adults in their lives. but Well, and this is like the stupidest example ever and I'm totally laying my cards on the table, but I'm a slight closeted fan of The Real Housewives and we'll just leave it at that. Which one? Because I know there's like different... <laughs> I like Beverly Hills. I was watching an episode and we'll just... Good thing the, Good thing this is my pen name so people don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was watching it and Lisa Renna, she's an actress as well, a real actress as well to be on the show. She wrote a book and I've never read it or anything but Years ago, she wrote some book and it was basically like some instruction manual or something on like how to give a blowjob. Can mm. I say that? Can I say blowjob? <laughs> hey, that's up to you, man. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, and 
the scene in the show was her with her kids. Her kids are now like 20 or, you know, 18 or 20 or something like that. And they were basically saying like, oh yeah, mom, I learned how to give a blowjob from reading your book. What? And I remember watching it and thinking like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, are my kids going to be reading these books one day and sit down and be like, hey mom, I learned about so-and-so from reading your book. And I was like, oh no. What? Have you thought about, um, like, are you just going to let them sort of discover your profession on their own? Like, I know they know you write. Yeah, they but- know I write books for grownups. <laughs> oh, they know that? Yeah. Okay. For, I mean, to their mind, grown-up versus kids book is pictures in the book versus not pictures in the book, oh. you know. They're young, but I, yeah, I don't know. And I, I, like my husband and I have talked about it a few times, like, you know, what are we going to tell them? And we're kind of just like, yeah, we don't have to worry about that for a while. Mm. You know, because I, I mean... Like I said, there's no shame in my game. I love what I do, but I do realize that there is some people that do put a, uh, might put a stigma on it, but you know, I mean, it kind of, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. hide it, but on the flip side, they are children. So well, I don't think, yeah, but I'm not gonna hand them the book and right. say, go ahead and read the this, but I'm, now. I mean, they will, uh, they'll find out that I write, you know, romance novels. It's not really going to be much of a way to hide it from them. This sort of some, another reason why I like that guy, Chris Ryan, because he talks, he's like a shame exorcist. Like, like no one should sort of feel shame for like who yeah. they are, what they like. And I mean, I, I would think a lot of people, again, I'm your brother. I would think a lot of people like wouldn't even want to have this sort of discussion. Yeah. Like, um, but it's like, it's, it's whatever, man. Well, like, and it's become so much of my life now. This is what I write. You know, I write all the time. So it's you know, the first time I ever, um, I actually read, uh, somebody who said something similar one time, the, the first time I ever wrote like a sex scene that I wasn't sitting at home, you know, if I was sitting out in Starbucks or something, I'm like hovering over the computer so no one can look over my shoulder, you know, yeah. you know and, and then after a while you're just like, yeah, whatever, who cares? But um, yeah, but as I was saying, you know, you got to, you know, you don't want them to read something above their level, but I've got an office and it's full of my books and, you know, what's on the cover the of my books right. is, you know, they're, so they're going to realize and I will just have to teach them that it's not appropriate for their grade level and then when we catch them reading it anyway we'll we'll figure out what to do from then yeah <laughs> thankfully none of them really know how to read yet so that'll be a while um i've had well actually i was gonna say i've had a, a number of authors on here and like i always do in my intro like a read <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do that. If you don't want to read, you could take a clip oh, from my audiobook. narrators. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll do that. Um, I have a SoundCloud page with the first chapter, I think, from every book. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so my 50 million listeners strong, go subscribe to the Lily Atlas SoundCloud, SoundCloud mm-hmm. page and yeah. your 50 million readers strong, yeah. please subscribe to the Voyages <laughs> of Tim Vetter. Yes. Um. Another thing with like a lot of the writers that I've had on, and I know like you, you guys have dual income and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of them sort of need to diversify or they work like a regular job and have the books. But like, uh-huh. you know, some people will be an author and will do like YouTube content and we'll have a podcast and we'll. Um, I had this guy on from Taiwan and he writes like documentaries. Would you like ever consider doing like screenplays and sort of branching out into other sort of formats and mediums? I don't. Yeah. I mean, maybe within fiction. I'm not sure if I'd be interested in writing a screenplay. I don't know if I'd know how to write a screenplay. I mean, I wouldn't know how to write a screenplay. I, you know, maybe, maybe they just turn one of my books into a movie. That'd be really nice. Well, then you'd be balling. Like that's, yeah. that's, I think like the that's real, the real dream. money. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. That's, I think every author's out. dream is that they'd turn it into some kind of TV show or movie. Um, I wouldn't, I would be interested in, in doing other things on top of it. It's just at this point in my life, you know, there's barely enough time yeah. to eat lunch. So Lily Atlas, that's an hour. Oh my goodness. Um, Let's plug your stuff, your socials, where people can buy the book, how they can find out about you. Um, So my books are all in Kindle Unlimited right now, which means that they're only available on Amazon. Um, So you can search Lily Atlas. You can search, I have two series out, the No Prisoners Motorcycle Club series or the Hell's Handlers Motorcycle Club series. You can search either of those names. Um, I have all of the books, except the most recent because it's still being uh, recorded, but they're all um, in audiobook format also. 
and they're so good in audio. They're duet narration, which is uh, um, male and female narrators, and they record in the same booth, so it's just really good dialogue and interplay. So they're all on Audible. You can also get them on iTunes. Um, and yes, I'm on Instagram, Lily Atlas Books. I'm on Facebook, uh, Lily Atlas Books. I'm on Twitter, just Lily Atlas. Bookbub, SoundCloud. We'll <laughs> do a um, We'll do a a mashup giveaway too. I'll figure out. Well, people will know yeah. it by now because they they've listened to the intro. Uh-huh. Um, but we'll figure something out. So, okay. um, cool, Lily Atlas. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was fun. It went really fast. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. That is a wrap on episode number 98 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Remember to check the social media accounts for this podcast for information about how to get the new book that's coming out. Thank you to Lily Atlas for coming on this episode. Voyagers, as always, thank all of you for listening. I appreciate you guys. I'm back here in the States, but I'm still traveling around and I'm knocking out a bunch of episodes. I got a, uh, a whole bunch lined up here around the country. So that's super exciting. And I appreciate you as always for being along for the ride. Thanks folks. And as always, please take care of each other. Bye-bye.